Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Welcome, everybody. My name is Akiva, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. And um, this is a weird topic to share. This is, um, let, me, let me just give you a background to the, for the reason for this uh, share coming in. The topic, how does growing up a Russian-speaking Jew in Ukraine, how could that affect my sobriety? Now, Buddy did mention, and that's just for you to understand, that part of the ways of how I learned English was through porn. Um, <laughs> just that one was for Buddy. From time to time, I share that when I give my first step. So just as for you, for you to understand that I qualify. <clears throat> so yeah, so the that means to say that uh, the Google front page is a trigger for me because I had to learn all kinds of words and keywords and whatnot, unfortunately, to pick up uh, this addiction. And um, my background greatly affected my current state and my current sobriety and my current recovery. That was not the only place where I learned English. Thank God. People who went at, with meetings to me in my first original meeting in Metacha, New Jersey, remember that I used to bring a big 30,000 words Oxford Russian English dictionary. I was 20 at that time. And I would highlight the words in the white book. Um, and in the, in the big book, and the, I would highlight them in, in my dictionary. And people who know me, they, they thought I'm not gonna last. They, they, they thought I'm not gonna make it up for a bit. I was, I was shaking. Um, the, uh, I'm not here to speak about my qualifications. I'm here about basically, essentially what I'm gonna be concentrating on is the fourth and fifth step steps four through nine, because that is where background plays a role in terms of fears and resentments. And that is universal. When I came into the program, Harvey was one of my first sponsors. My first sponsor fired me because I was a trigger for him because he had say same sex attraction. And I was a young guy and he was 30 years older and his sponsor told me to fire me. And that's what meant rigorous honesty to me. And I learned a lot from that. He didn't fire me because of my behavior, but because of his safety. And that was, that was an explanation of how to surrender triggers. And I called Harvey. I said, Harvey, what do I do? He's like, listen, usually I don't take people with less than 30 days sobriety, but in such a poor case like yours, I just have pity from such a story. So he took me in, took me on. And a lot of my sobriety is based on what Harvey taught me, where he subsequently fired me and said, call me after you get 30 days. Um, <clears throat> But I did learn a lot from him, and I do speak a lot with him from time to time. 
Um, so I, one of these questions in the beginning that I was asking him, I said, Harvey, what does it mean anonymous? He says, you know, anonymous means that there is no, there's no Jews, no Christians, no whites, no reds, no blacks, no women, no men, just sexaholics. That's all. That's all it is. That's what the, the common denominator among all of us. And, and that was beautiful. That was a beautiful way of putting it. And that is really the beginning and the end of my share. Because that is something that helped me work through uh, making the phone calls, going to meetings, calling my sponsor, um, praying. And uh, th th these are the five things that Sylvia told me on the Newark. I finally started taking the, the program seriously. And that's when I saw that it's true. When it's where I met Harvey, I came in the program in 07 when I was 20, early 20s and uh, 20 and a half. Uh, and, and it was funny because I was from the youngest people there. The groups at that point consisted of people 45 plus in age. And they would say, wow, you're so lucky. And I say, I wouldn't be alive by your age. <laughs> you know, it, it's, that's how escalated the program was. I'm not here to, to say my sex a lot. Uh, it's not, you know, I've been around the program long enough to know that the program is more than just that. Whoever doesn't trust me in terms of like, if I belong or doesn't belong, you know, that's not, I'm not here for that today. Uh, I really appreciate this group having a lot of sobriety and going outside the box a lot within with, without without violating sobriety definition and uh, the primary purpose. So Sylvia told me that time there's five things that you know as Harvey says you know you 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 do um, you know even if your ass falls off and and then you don't act out. The going to meetings, getting a sponsor, working the steps, um, praying, and calling people. I've never seen a person slip going half measures, being rigorously honest. And he did all these five things till his ass fell off and he didn't, you know, and he, he, he didn't stay sober that day. Um, so that being said, all these things, and I'm going to go through all of them, really. Um, and this share is, as I said, like the anonymous, there's another term that we have uh, called terminally unique. Yeah, we feel terminally unique. I'm terminally unique. I'm in USA. I'm an immigrant. I'm a 20-year-old guy. You guys are 45-year-old guys. At that time, that was my thought process. Um, you know, I, I grew up poorer than you. I grew up like all, all the differences that would be there in the fourth step, they would all come up. They would all come up. But the, the common denominator was... I don't remember who said that, but one of these famous sayings, you know, God created people different and Smith and Wesson made them equal. Uh, you know, this, we, 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 we learn from the, from the uh, disease how not to discriminate. You know, like in AA, there's this saying, from Yale to jail. You know, there's, there's no difference. And at one point, I picked up a very useful, uh, very, very useful saying from Hanach that goes, identify, don't compare. 
because in the essence of it, you know, I, I remember my first meeting, my first meeting, I was dragged. So for my sobriety, so let, let, let's, okay, let's get the background. Hey, I'm going to give four, four minutes on the background and then, and then we'll, 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 we'll see how that's going to be. Um, basically I was growing up, not religious at all. Like I look very religious. I'm a, happens to be I'm a practicing rabbi in old sense and fashions. I'm a teacher in a day school, you know, like I, I'm somewhere where I would never imagine I would be uh, because, you know, going back uh, even 16 years ago, I was, I used to call myself a dream of a skinhead because uh, I was in Ukraine in the most nationalistic city in Ukraine, which is Lvov, Ukraine, in the Western Ukraine, with Russia, which Russia claims they're fighting against nationalists, where I could tell you I saw them with my own eyes. They exist. They might be not a majority. Um, Russia is making up the numbers. But the nationalists and skinheads and neo-Nazis, it's a real thing. It exists in the world. It's a threat. It exists. So I was a dream of such a neo-Nazi because I was somebody they hated, which is a Russian speaker. My father is half Russian. I'm three quarters Jewish uh, and, and quarter Russian, which means my father's father is, is Russian. And by Gentiles, it goes by, by the father. The lineage goes by the father. So in their book, so I'm, I'm a Russian speaking Jew, which are both hated by these both, by these both, uh, by, by neo-Nazis. I was a rapper, which goes out of the format. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an artist, you know? It's like almost saying like, I mean, going in the middle of a church and saying I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm going in the middle of LGBT. Yeah, I was saying I'll, I'm LGBTQ in the middle of Catholic church. So for them, that was the same thing. You know, I had long hair, I had these baggy pants, you know, it was out of the format completely. So uh, I, my, my, own, my own thing, I didn't have the fourth component. I wasn't black. I was a Russian-speaking rapper, Jewish, Jew. It's a shame I wasn't, I wasn't black because then I would hit all of their needs. Now, what does it have to do with my sobriety? What does it have to do with my sobriety is that my background dictates what Big Book says, their reality was pierced with fear. I was one of these guys who were like, I don't care. I'm going to be myself. I'm going for my identity. I couldn't care less. I'm going to be Jewish with a big star of David's going into the most nationalistic university. I couldn't care less. Now, on the outside, I couldn't care less. On the inside, I was masturbating in the, in the back of the buses, you know, and I'm, I was a kid from, of a divorced home that knew no peace. My father was looking for, my father cheated on my mother. I found porn in my father's drawers. My father always was surrounded by some kind of strange ladies. Um, my mother was a hypochondric, workaholic, codependent. And I was by myself. I was in the middle of that triangle. Um, and I was, I was balancing the whole thing. So that makes up, and the resentments, again, the resentments are there. Now, what's happening right now, just to give you an example, of reference, and I believe I'm I am suffering of a form of a post-traumatic stress disorder, 
being a Jew, I think the whole nation has a post-traumatic stress disorder, just based on the, how much our nation was kicked around different countries. Like, like what's going by Jews, like, you know, right now there's war, right? So I, I went, I usually I would go to Russian speaking groups. That's my comfort zone. Russian speakers are my comfort zone. I, I relate to them more. I, uh, I have a resentment towards Ukraine for closing Russian schools um, and making Russian language not even a second national language where a big percentage of people speak it. But to format a Ukraine, they needed to make, they needed to make what they needed to make. Like in, when I was growing up in Ukraine, I was 19 when I left. I, I was 19. I left after two years of college in Ukraine. And I went to New York. And basically, I've been living in the States for the past 15 and a half years. I, my, my resentment to them is, and, and that was the fourth step opening, when I would be like, when my sponsor said, write everybody, all the people, organizations, and entities that you are resentful at. So I opened up my mind to this idea of like, I could be resentful. I don't know. I could be resentful at people that agree or disagree or argue about Second Amendment, the Constitution, about the guns. I could be resentful at Ukraine for publishing five different history books, textbooks for the same exact grade level because the Soviet books were lying, right? So we're going to publish new ones. Oh, so now everybody, Soviets are all garbage. We're all heroes. And then they published... They, they published a, 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 a book that Ukrainians are complete heroes. And Khmelnytsky, who, who, ter, you know, who terrorized hundreds and thousands of Jews, he's a hero, statue in every town. You know? And it would go, so what does that add? It adds to my insecurity. It adds to my insecurity. Now, the way I act out, I think of porn. I think of fetishes. I think of other ladies. I think of getting hooked up, you know? That's that's where my that's where my first step goes, but the reality is that in my fourth step, I discovered a lot of things. In my fourth step, I discovered that my background affects me, and there are people that I could be. The, the people that understand me the most are the people in the program, because in the people in the program, I could go to the meeting in the Russian-speaking meeting. And there will be no difference between Ukrainian and Russian. And that's beautiful. Now, today, I go in the Russian meeting. And nobody's talking about war. There's a war going on. Now, Russia calls it a special operation. And I go very insecure. Because a Russian-speaking meeting on a supposedly encoded line, people are afraid to say that there is a war. They're going to be put to jail. Now, my background, just for you to understand my background, my mother recorded a Facebook message at the second day of war a month ago saying to Russian mothers, tell, call your soldiers, call your children, tell them to go home to eat borscht. She goes, I'm a Russian-speaking Jew with a Russian last name in the most nationalistic city. Nobody punches me in the face for many, many years or ever. Please tell them you don't need to save me. My father calls her. They're divorced already. It took them 10 years to divorce. It, it took them, you know, my father calls her up and he's, you're embarrassed my last name. You've got 10 minutes. Okay. Thank 10 you. Minutes.
Yeah. So you see how the whole fear, my insecurity from my own family, I get that insecurity because they keep looking for these differences as opposed to finding common ground. How could we cooperate? So there's there's these people, places, things, and definitions that keep tearing each other apart because of their ego. This edging got out. So I went into Ukrainian group, and I, I had a, I had a speaker engagement. Now happens to be I personally, as you could see, Ukraine is one of these people, places, and things that I resent as an entity. That doesn't mean I, I'm not proud of a bunch of things they do. I'm very impressed of how they're holding up. I'm very, I was, I, when I visited my parents, my mother uh, and my family three years ago, when I was going in my hometown, I felt like I'm going in New York. Nobody couldn't care less. I look Hasidic. I, I, I look Orthodox. I, I wear my hat, have my beard. Nobody noticed me. Completely Westernized culture. Nobody could care less who I am. And it took me a thing of like the person who I resent is not even there. You know, the entity, they, they moved on. I'm still stewing in the resentment. And that, that, that idea of resentment being a component of re and sentiment, there is that emotion that I keep replaying. Yeah, I keep replaying that, that sentiment. But it's not even there. They moved on. I keep judging the person. The person already came out of jail. They, they moved on. They really moved on. Now, do the do neo-Nazis still exist there? 100%. But do, did I feel threatened after 9 o'clock dark like I felt when I was a kid? No. Not at all. Nobody cares. Everybody, all of a sudden, everybody looks like me when I was a rapper. People moved on. And now there is other threats, right? As a Jew, I feel a threat towards my family now from Russia because they're in Ukraine. Yes, my mother got out. I feel a little safer. I feel that threat. Uh, I feel a threat as a Jew because Israel is not getting involved. Now, I keep putting on myself more than I could carry. And that's when the serenity prayer comes in. God, grant me the serenity things that I cannot change. I cannot change that. I'm Jewish. I cannot change the fact that people associate me with Israel. Whether I agree with their policy or not, but if I'm walk on the street and I identify as Jewish, I might get a racial slur or anti-Israeli slur in my, in my address. Now, as a sexaholic, what's my comfort zone? My comfort zone is either to demonstrate, to go through fear. Yeah, my sponsor once said, Rich, Rich D at one point was my sponsor. He said that he had, a, he has the, he had this concept of that under lust, lays resentment and under resentment lays fear and i and i really enjoyed that part you know but the, the on, on the level of character defect you know when i when i came on the ukrainian meeting it was it was uncomfortable for me it was a language of the people that that that, that i felt animosity from I, i'm being very honest with you i did i was one of the five we i went to five out of 100 schools, five out of 100 schools, that was the last Russian-speaking schools, which they closed. They didn't close the school, but they, they, they canceled the language. Now, with the Russia pushing their boundaries for past whatever years, I'm starting to understand them. Here, logically, but not in my heart. And by Jews, we say that's the biggest distance between 
heart and, and brain. That's the biggest, that's the, the, the furthest path that there is in the world, the, the, the longest distance. I understand a lot of things with my head. And that's when I came into program, I understood that I'm angry. I'm understood that I'm afraid, but I, I couldn't process it. I needed that fourth and fifth column of where's my part in it. What could I do? What things I can't change and things that I could change. And the more that I put in effort into what I could change, the more friends I have, multicultural friends. Again, and I had friend, multicultural friends back in the day too. I had Ukrainian friends. I had people who were like, I, I'm, I'm a pretty talky, walkie-talkie kind of guy. I get, I get by. I, I, I got by. But my, my insight was pierced with that fear. And even today, I, I have a lot of these fears coming in. What's going to be? Like somebody attacks or there is a, a synagogue attack in, in Pittsburgh. I go, how could I send my kids to school? You know, it's a personal threat, right, right, right inside of me. But what I've discovered, and, that, and that's a tool I'd love to share, um, that there's the, in the fifth, in the, it, what I'm looking for in lust, let me find in you. Everyone's gave me a tool of like making a list of all the things I'm, I'm looking for in lust, comfort, approval, safety, uh, even oblivion or other, any other things. And slowly but surely, I started substituting things for in a healthy way, going to museum of art to the sections that are safe for me to appreciate the beauty because I crave beauty. Um, calling my sponsor saying, I need acceptance. You know, th lately I came to the meeting, uh, there's the Ukrainian meeting and they go, there's a guy from Israel that comes in the Ukrainian meeting, you get a lot of kick out of it. You know, we will love you until you come to love yourself. And he goes, and even after we'll still love you. We won't abandon you once you start loving yourself. You know, so that that's a lot. So when I keep my fourth step in essay was what opened up a doorway for me to start working as anon Elanon, because my grandfather killed himself and he was an alcoholic. He drank. I never met him, but I, the consequences I see on my father, ACOA. But I picked up at one of the conventions that there's that, that it's completely okay to more work multiple programs. The work, the way I work it is essay is my bottom line program. And everything else enhances my fourth step. It's an extension of my fourth step. And that really helps me. I'm not a mistake. I make mistakes. You know, I'm not guilty that somebody else hates Jews. Um, or Ukrainians. I'm coming into Ukrainian media. I said, how could I be of service to your people? Now, I'm, I'm fundraising for humanitarian help that my synagogue in Ukraine distributes. But I understand that my synagogue distributes help and, and they try to help Jews and other people. How can I help other people, just regular people? And I'm not a big money guy. I always, when I used to come to meetings until today, I'm not at the biggest paying job. I'm trying to start a business, but it hasn't started. It hasn't picked up for the past few years. I'm a teacher, work on meager live, you know, I make the ends meet and my debts and whatnot. Whenever I come to the meeting, I always feel Guilt when I experience when I when I what's his name when I when I hear seventh tradition and I always say what can I do and I it came to me came like a revelation my day of sobriety one more day of sobriety that I'm putting in is what I'm putting into the safekeeping of this fellowship and this is my contribution into the seventh tradition and it paid back because I came to Ukraine 
for training me. I said, I'm sorry. I, 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 I committed to, to speak, but I had twins born that week. I couldn't speak. How can I help you? I guess it was a delayed rain check. And six months later, about, which is about two weeks ago, I, I spoke. And I said, by the way, I see that your guys are struggling with sobriety because of war and whatever. I said, I know I'm not the whatever, but if you want, I could do a 12-step workshop for you. Because I know a lot of sobriety is in Russia. And right now there's a lot of tension to the point where people have Ukrainian flag and avatar. They get deleted from the Russian groups. Russian essay groups. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, I guess God saved me. I never led a step workshop. I always dreamed of doing one. I said, if you guys vote, if you want me, I'll just share my experience on the steps. And, oh, so now we come back to the story. So they voted. I did my first step to the point that people took notes and they published the notes from my, my whatever. I felt so touched, felt so honored, felt so loved. That's another thing in this program. This program where we fix relationships, where love cripples, we learn how to build relationships. Taking actions of love, actions of love, actual actions that how I feel about them. I don't know how I feel about them. I'm taking an actions of love towards them. And they, I felt the actions of love towards me to open up myself to their appreciation, to their love. Who am I? A piece of shit. Like, you know, I'm a sexaholic. Guess what? My, whatever my experience is to them as a benefit. And, and to let that, to let God love me. That's a beautiful thing of essay. Now I'm going to con conclude this with a, with a, yeah, one minute. I'm going to conclude this with the, my story of my first meeting. Now I changed the continent to stay sober. I became religious, ultra orthodox to stay sober. It didn't work. I went into art. I went, I did million and a half changes. Nothing worked because I couldn't get honest with somebody. I couldn't get crystal rigorous honest because I felt I'm going to be judged, put into asylum, whatnot. Somehow in, the, in this Orthodox seminary that I moved to in States, there was a rabbi that smelled me out. The guy's name is Velvel Warren, lives in New York, holy brother. He's a good man. He brought me to my first essay meeting. I was wearing a cap, trying to hide that I'm Jewish, trying to hide that nobody should feel, think bad about Jews. I come in, we traveled an hour and a half to Brooklyn, come into the room, I know it's time. Uh, we're sitting in the room. There's 19 Orthodox men dressed all in Hasidic garb and not like not necessarily, but clearly wearing garmokas. And the speaker is Tom A. from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Tommy Awesome. You know, he is bus driver, Catholic, saying his story, 17 years sober, and every go-body goes like this. And that's where I got it. There's no blacks, there's no Jews, there's no Catholics, there's no women, there's no men, there's just sexaholics. And I'm forever grateful that I always have a place that I could call home. Thank you. Yes. Um, thank you, Akiva. Oh my gosh. What an amazing share. Um, I was not expecting this. I was I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, but um, this is amazing. Uh, I share, gosh, there's so much. Um, at the end, if we run out of questions, I would love to have you talk about what you said. This is a whole other talk. Uh, and I think it was about resentments, but I'm not sure. Um, can you give a list of, you talked about things that lust, um, you, you got from lust and the way that um, you've sought uh to provide those things in positive ways. 
You gave a couple of examples, but there are any more examples that you could share? Sure. Thank you, Nancy, for, for asking me to speak. I appreciate that again and again. Uh, it was my dream to speak at this meeting. I feel like it's an international convention. This is my homework, but that's where I feel comfortable. Uh, so here's the key. The key is we absolutely insist on, on, on enjoying life. The, that's the line from the big book. That's really the, the topic. Like I, I, had, I heard that phrase, every person has a hole in them, size of God. And my lust could be looking for different things. My lust is an allergy when that black hole is acting out. And, and, and it's, it's really, it, it, it's, I learned this in Al-Anon, but really by us, we speak about this too. My character defects are my character assets taken to extreme. Um, let's say my control is really my caring thing, right? That, that's, so a lot of times when I feel discomfort, right? Harvey told me this is a program of comfort. You need to wear this program as a loose jacket, not as a stray jacket. All these phrases that prepared me for it, for this idea. And for example, it, my lust could be different colors. It's not necessarily based on the trigger that I define my need, but a lot of times it could be something along these lines. When I'm like, I'm sitting during the, it happens every single day. I come to a Talmud class that I absolutely love. But, but it's a complicated Talmudic analytic class. And a lot of times I feel very, very stupid. And I, fantasize, I start fantasizing about acting out. Now, I'm taking the action that is good for me, that I enjoy. The fact that I showed up to this class is already the fact that I'm working on feeding myself with something else, something better than lust, because I defined for myself in my journey that this, this is something that I like to start the morning with instead of uh, daily morning masturbation. You know, like I have my routine. I have, I, I, I'd like to start morning with excitement. This is something that excites me. But a lot of times I feel dumb because when the topic is the very complicated leveret, marriage, whatnot, like my head goes like this, I soothe myself. I have to come up with another tool of soothing myself. I'm like, you choose to be challenged. Challenging is fun. Not every challenge you're asked to overcome this second. Stop lusting. Open up, get back into reality, be present. Why are you here? Are you here by choice? Are you here by force? So I work it through like this. Um, same thing could happen to me when I go to museums. I go to museum. I have a membership in museum. For many years, I had a membership in the science museum. And I crave picture images. And I go to the IMAX and I watch National Geographic images. Uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the Philadelphia, what's the name? Franklin Science Museum. And a lot of times, things that come out there are like, whoa, or the way the people are dressed. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, last thing, is this, is this where I came from? So I remind myself that whole story with AA, where the guy could be in the bar where everybody is drinking if he's there for, for the right reason. If my reason is to enjoy my little joy, I don't need to look for somebody else's joy. I double check. This joy doesn't work for me. I'm here for a different joy. And, and if, I, if I tend to drink their joy, then I need to leave. But if not, I'm here to discover, I'm here to carve out my own comfortable place in the universe. God-given right. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I love your excitement about the program. Thank you. Thanks, Nancy Akiva. Uh, next up, Buddy. 
Yes, thank you. I'm Buddy. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Akiva, thank you. Um, I love all your resentments. <laughs> I, I was just I was just remembering the first time we met. You know, we are from completely opposite worlds. Um, I was raised in the faith dimensionally opposed to yours. Um, you know, you killed our founder and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but as much as we're different inside, in, in our heart, where it really matters, you know, we, we're so much the same. And, and so I just want to say this, that, yeah, I am one of those who, who had said that I keep coming back, that I will love you, we will love you until you learn to love yourself. And now as you've learning to love yourself, I'm going to keep on loving you continuously. So, so thanks for sharing today. Thank you. Thank, thank you, buddy. Can I just respond to it in, 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 in a 30 second? Buddy sure. has so much. First of all, buddy was the one who helped. I helped him build really this study, this soundproof office where I'm, I could feel comfortable giving my share. <laughs> even though my wife and my mother are home, okay? Buddy has been my sponsor for past, um, already past, uh, give or take, nine years. And um, the beauty of Buddy is that for one of the form of loves that I, I, a lot of times I call Buddy, I said, Buddy, I'm a Russian-speaking Jew. I'm having a fear based on that. I'm having a post-traumatic stress disorder recall. I'm going to call you. I'm going to come to your home. And I'm going to share an hour of a conversation that you already heard. I'm going to recycle my fourth step again. And he said, sure, come. And he sits and he listens and he, he processes it with me because it's even though it's the same exact fourth step that he already heard and I already processed before, but because it came up again, these, these are feelings that are not based on ego. These are real feelings. It's a real PTSD. And they're, they're, they're not disqualified. They could be processed again for me to let go and come back to the serene life of sobriety. So I really appreciate that, bud. Thank you, Kiva. Thanks, buddy, and Kiva. Uh, Chad M., I saw your hand up earlier. Did you have a question? Um, you, you know what? It was actually answered in the previous share, but uh, thank you, Akiva, and uh, I appreciate, uh, uh, really appreciate the speaker meetings. Thank you. Thanks, Chad. Okay, the floor is still open for shares. I don't see any hands up. So if you have something you'd like to ask, Akiva, go right ahead. All right, while you're thinking, I do have a question. <laughs> uh, Akiva, you said you came into the program. I'm Daniel, sexaholic, sorry. Um, you came into the program when you were in your twenties and I'm, I'm thinking, wow, if I were in my twenties and I looked around at all my peers, whatever I was doing in terms of acting out, I would say, wow, I'm pretty normal. Everybody else is doing it. You know, I, I would kind of maybe react that way. What was it that actually flipped the switch and, and had you look for true sobriety? What went on in your mind? So there's two things. There's two things. And this is when I say I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic, right? 
So I'm grateful that I'm a Russian-speaking Jew from Ukraine. So there's all these things, all this discomfort triggered me, triggered my acting out to escalate. You know, my parents divorced, like everything. Like I had, I, a lot of times I joke, I have a lot of reincarnations during my lifetime. Some people say like, oh, I'm an old soul, whatever. I, I, I literally had a survival mode from a very young age in a lot of different situations. And therefore, I my the we lost you for a second, Nikita. Try it now. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, good. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was a phone call. Phone call cuts off the the Zoom connection. Um. So what was I saying? I was saying all these things, they were, they were facilitators of me trying out different solutions. And, and I, like I became, my parents got divorced. I started becoming religious. I knew that solution is God. It started working for me. I knew that solution is in healthy psychological things. Like all these things. When I came to program, I had everything besides another sexaholic to share a step with. When I, when I, I, I don't know if I shared this, but I, I, I didn't know when I was highlighting the, the words, when I came in the, by my first meeting, I said, sobriety, I need it. I did not know sobriety means not drinking alcohol. I had no idea. I, for me, it was a medical term for my condition. Uh, because these people know what I'm talking about. But honesty, fourth step, defects, I, I've done all of that. Through religion, through um, through counseling, camp counseling training, through all kinds, of, but I didn't have another sexaholic to share it with, and without feeling judged. Um. So the and 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 I I didn't uh, my my sponsor asked me to actually prove to me Harvey was one of these people who asked me to prove to me that I'm a sexaholic, and I made a list my four step look where how. When and with whom did I act out in chronological order to see the progression of the disease? And I can tell you that my friends, as much as they watch porn, normal people don't masturbate eight times a day. Normal people don't um, steal for masturbation purposes. Normal people don't. Um, normal people don't print porn images in the rabbinic school from one computer when the printer is printing in the other room and there are other people who are sitting in the other room running back and forth, picking their stuff from between, from between the rabbinic essays. Normal people don't do it. My life was unmanageable. The unmanageability brought me to my knees. The unmanageability brought me to the point that I said, I'm either I'm killing myself, which is what I told them. Like, you know, I, I attempted suicide a few times. You know, but it, it was, I was, I'm a scared type of addict. So I didn't end up doing it, but yeah, here, here I am. Thank you, Akiva. That, yeah, that's impressive at that, at that young age, because even when, when you're young, you can, young people tend to justify just about any kind of behavior. So uh, I appreciate that answer. And we're still open. Uh, Ayala, I see your hand up. Hi, Akiva. Thank you so much for your share. Um, I want to ask you, 
I always feel like I live a double life. I'm a Jewish religious person and covering my head. And the other side, I'm watching pornography and having issue with masturbation. So it's it's too, I feel like I'm a two person. Like I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> How you deal with that? How you feel it's like a, it's a to you? <laughs> Well, first of all, when I watch porn, I don't feel like I am me because <laughs> I am doing it against my will. I get, I, I'm doing it against my, my, my uh, moral compass. This is what brought me in. This is where I saw that I need religion. I saw that I need God. I saw that I need higher power of whatever format there is because what I wanted to do is to be a programmer. But at the company of my cousin where I worked in, I was bringing in viruses through the porn sites that I was looking at at the time that was allotted for me to work. And I really wanted to work. But my disease said, no, you're going to watch porn now. I said, why can't I watch later at my own computer? No, you're going to watch porn now. You know what I'm saying? This is it robbed me of my identity. Now, with a God thing and with a religion, a lot of people, I, I'm very lucky. I came to a program before I gave up on God. That's one for, for religious people. A lot of times that's the biggest struggle, you know, because a lot of religious people gave up on God um, because he didn't help. He didn't keep them sober. It, it's, it's, it's real. And I am, when I came into, I see, I became religious in the nineties and the background of a Jew, Russian speaking Jew is that I didn't have a circumcision on eight day. I had it on the 11th day. That was part of me getting, trying to get sober. And then I masturbated with the circumcision, you know, before it even healed. And I saw the unmanageability. But when I came into religious circles, there was a thing called, um, there was a line. And there, they asked the rabbi, rabbi, I don't believe in God. And the rabbi would answer, the God that you don't believe in, I also don't believe in. The God of my understanding. And I, when I pray and I don't feel answered, my higher power is my sponsor who tells me, gives me good orderly direction. I'm, I'm, I know that I need to call a sponsor, another person to ask what's the next right action because my God, I, you know, like there's a God of my sobriety. About, I, I could tell you one thing about God. I've been studying a lot, a lot, ongoingly, a lot. Um, and I feel resentment towards religious people and religious institutions. I work within religious institutions. I, I, and I associate myself my, or my God with the rabbis or with my father or whatever. I have that cliche. But I know one thing about God. I know one thing. I know, I, I don't know his commandments. I don't know nothing. I, when I come into my point of loss, I know that God does not want me to act out. That's one thing I know about God clearly. Once I have a sober day, I'll think about all of my doubts tomorrow. What drastic changes to do towards my religion, towards my opinions. But I know God does not want me dead. My God, God of my understanding, doesn't want me to act out. 
Everything else about God, I don't know. Sometimes it's clear. Sometimes it's murky. I know one thing. I know there is a, I know I'm an addict. And if I act out, I'm going to die. And the God of my understanding within this program, and, and it matches my religious God. Because my religious God say, don't do this or die. So it matches perfectly. Everything else, clarity, not clarity. Me, I know one thing. I know in, in, in Judaism, you could violate you could violate everything to save a life besides the uh, three different things, you know, uh, murdering, adultery, or idol worship. So to me, a lot of times, you know, I, I had to violate Sabbath at one point to make a phone call. I had to, because I'm a sick person. I'm a sick person. A lot of times I would leave my study partners and they would go, where are you going? I'm, I said, I'm going to help a friend. He's very sick. Who's that friend? Me, myself, and I. Do they need to know it? Do I need to explain it? I'm sorry, I can't share who it is. Lots of times, I, I had a study partner. I believe he's going to be one of the greatest rabbis of the generation in 40 years. And I called my rabbi. I said, Rabbi, I feel guilty. I need to go to meetings, but I can't study with him. I wish I could be his study partner. He said, that's exactly what you should do. Feel guilty and go to meetings. You know, that, that's the, and, and, and there's a lot of other, I, I tend to associate myself with people a lot of times. Uh, it helps me to have other addicts of my religion in the program, in sobriety, because I could call them and they know which God I'm talking about. I brought my three-year-old son. There is a, there is a, um, there is a custom that we do when, when the three-year-old um, gets his first haircut, he starts studying the Bible, studying the Torah. And we bring them into, the, um, into a uh, school, into a religious school where they put on the alphabet, on the Hebrew alphabet, they put honey, it's a beautiful custom, and they lick that honey. So I, I felt this discomfort because I, I wish I could give my kids the program. You know, I wish I could tell my kids what it means to 12 steps. I would teach them 12 steps since they're three years old. Now, guess what? There is a guy who years before that was having doubts, should he be a religious teacher or not? And I convinced him, no, 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 because of your honesty and sobriety, you sure you could. Could be anybody. Be sober, and then you could be yourself. Being sober is, is a platform for being a human being, and then you make choices. Then you could, you're enabled to make a choice. Now, guess what? I come, I bring my son, my three-year-old. Who is the assistant teacher that's there? The guy I convinced. I said, oh, I said, this is the Bible I want my kid to learn. Put honey on it. I want him to lick that honey. Okay, this is my this is my story. This is my story of my recovery. Thanks, Yala and Akiva. Thank you. Uh, next up, uh, Abigail. Yes, hi, it's Abigail. Abigail. Um, yeah, that's okay. Um, so I had a question for Akiva. Um, beautiful share. Thank you. I am struggling with resentment towards the gods who gave me this life, gave me this package, gave me this exahalism. How do you surrender to the gods who literally gave you this disease and now you're surrendering everything back to him? How does that work for you? Phenomenal question. I love it. Go through it daily. So first of all, the God of my understanding and the God of my, this is where, where the previous questionnaire will say, what the heck? You know. Um, 
the God of my understanding is a God that um, um, I close the door, I get in the car, and I said, God, WTF, for all those who could translate it, yeah, what the hell? And I scream and I yell and I talk and I pour my heart out. And most of the times it doesn't go away. And I call my sponsor and I yell and I talk and I pray and I scream and I yell and I go sleep sober. And these things go away. These things go away sometimes for a day, sometimes for two, sometimes, sometimes uh, they're there for a week. But there is absolutely no problem in my life, including resentment of God, that my acting out cannot make worse. So if I think out and I act out within this program and I lose my sobriety, I have very little chance of, uh, of ever processing that resentment. What helped me a lot is doing ACOA program. What helped me a lot is whenever I get into those modes, uh, I get back into this idea of like, I don't know nothing about God. I don't know nothing about God. You know, is it God that gave me the sobriety? Is it not? It's, it, I go back to the statement of self-knowledge availed us nothing. It's great. It's great that I have God. It's great that I have resentment to him. It's great that I understand it or processed it. But I know one thing. If I act out, I'm going to die. I know the big book says resentment is the number one offender of addicts. My wife could afford to have a resentment against God or against somebody else. If I don't surrender the resentment to somebody, it doesn't have to be God. Higher power. It doesn't say God. It could be Allah, could be Hashem, could be fire hydrant. As long as I go, go to a, a homeless guy in the park and I say, I want to go and I want to have an affair with the secretary. Do you think it's a good idea? He's going to ask me, what, what about you? What, 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 how are you doing today? I said, listen, I have a job. I have a wife. I have six kids. But I just really feel lousy. My wife didn't make me dinner, and she's very naggy because I have twins, you know. And he's like, are you an idiot? Do you really want to be my neighbor over here on the next bench? Do this and this. He's my higher power that time. Again, there's resentments that I can't process. There's resentments I can't process. This is a resentment I came to an understanding that I will never understand what it means an, an all-knowing God. Because I cannot be all-knowing. I can't relate to it. So I sort of moved on from that. I could keep stewing in it, or I could have a resentment, which will result in me lusting, which will result in me acting out. doesn't pay. It just doesn't pay. So it's not that I have an answer for you, but I know what to I, – I, this is my, <laughs> my experience. Thank you, Abigail. It, it, it's, basically, it's basically not the God of my understanding. That's a short answer. I choose not to believe in such a God. I choose to believe that, that for whatever reason, I have this disease right now, and I'm dealing with it right now. And that understanding of why God gave it to me sometimes comes in, sometimes go away. Thanks. Thanks, Akiva. Um, we have time for maybe one more question or share. Hi, Daniel. I want to ask something. Sure. I just saw your hand, Claudia. Go yeah, ahead. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for your service. Thank you, Akiva, for your share. 
I don't get everything because of English, but I felt it in my heart, the power and and the unity, and I loved it. <laughs> Thank you. I want to ask you, you, you said you worked the program ACO or so. I don't know this. What's, what is this? Which kind of program? Thank you. Adult, adult children of alcoholics and other dysfunctional families. It's for ah. the pe people who were children of addicts when ah, they were growing up or children of people who were dysfunctional. Um, yeah. ACO. Oh, I can, ACOA. I know. ACOA or ACA? ACA. I know ACA. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Claudia and Kiva. Well, I'm not sure we have, but let's... Uh, It, does someone have a quick, uh, very quick comment or question? We can maybe do one very quickly before we need to close. Actually, I got a really quick one. You're throwing around all these sayings, and I love, I love little phrases and sayings. You have like top several that you really like. The one that saved my life is expectation is a premeditated resentment, which have which saves me a lot with this. Um, Let's say the person asked me about God. I said, that's really the answer. I did not, I did not have a chance to give up on God because God, I believe that God brought me into this program. Why did he give me this disease? I never had a chance to resent him to the point of hatred. Um, with, with, let's say, Zelensky. Zelensky is a Jew, right, in Ukraine. My expectation of him winning so people should love the Jews. My expectations of him, of the war, um, my expectations of people saying, um, I, I expect, let's say, people will love the Jews if he wins. People will hate the Jews if he loses. So they'll help me. So there's this expectation building. But really, my expectations will never be matched. So my expectation is a premeditated resentment. If I expect something, I'm waiting for myself to put myself onto the fourth step of anger. That's my most, that saved my life. I, I, I just live in. The next right thing, don't live in the future, don't like expect, you know, I, I defend my personal boundaries. I defend my personal, that people shouldn't hurt me because this was what I dis dis discovered in, in, in uh, I expected people to hurt me because in the fourth column of the fourth step, I, uh, most of the people who I hated, I let them hurt me. I let them hurt me, which is what brought me into the codependent programs that I saw that I made myself vulnerable to people who I shouldn't have trusted. And, and the more I speak with people who I trust, the more I trust my own God. Somehow that, that puts together. Okay. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the daily reprieve, the best source for experience, strength and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.